Okay, so tonight, um, first of all, thank you very much for having me back. It's all very well going once somewhere, but when you get asked back, it's, you, it's either a mistake or, or uh, somebody must have thought you said something the previous time correct. Book of Acts, chapter 9. Very famous um, book of Acts, written by Dr. Luke. I've often wondered how he got into this. I was in the pub on Tuesday, and a bloke said to me, how did you get into all this Christianity lark, Norman? It might have been laugh or stuff, I'm not sure which which I'd sort of gave my testimony to him. Uh, and so I often wondered how Luke got to write this, you know, because he was the only Greek, wasn't he? Because if you had a coffee in those days, you always went to the, the Greek doctor because they were good. That's why all the, all the words and that, all the medical words are Greek. Um, so Dr. Luke then, very, very uh, precise mind. He gives a really good account and a good record. So he wrote his own gospel as well. It's very good, very interesting. A bit speculative. I think he might have got into Christianity because he'd heard about these amazing healings that this man called Jesus did. Just speculation, but it's possible, isn't it? I wanted to find out more and found that people that had been, been healed from leprosy were healed from leprosy and would continue to be healed from leprosy. He was impressed. Just my opinion. Speculation. Not delusional, but speculation. <laughs> OK, so chapter 9. <laughs> You like that? Good. <laughs> Chapter 9. Uh, my Bible says it's Saul's conversion. Um, that's an NIV. And uh, we'll see where we go with this. Okay. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that he could, so that if he found any there that who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might ask them as, or take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now, get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. The men travelling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem and he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, the man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. 
placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scowl fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptised and after taking some food, he regained his strength. That's quite a familiar story uh, to us. But I, I wanted to do a little bit of research into it because I've read it, or had it read to me many times, and I'm familiar with it. Um, I thought, I feel I relate to this man, Paul. I feel he's a contemporary. I know I look quite young, but <laughs> I'm not that old. But I feel he's a modern man because Paul never knew Jesus. He never walked with Jesus. We call him Paul of Tarsus. If you could look it up on, on your smartphones, and it will tell you Tarsus is still there. Still there. And uh, the, the mayor's a bloke called Sevkat Chan. He's got a degree in agricultural engineering. You can go to a place called Paul's Well for a small sum. You can have a drink out of it, probably. And so it's a population of about 250,000. Big, big thriving city, lots of textiles. It's all still there. Paul was born in about 5 AD. Um, and the journey that he undertook from Jerusalem to Damascus is 136 miles. That's quite a long way. Not, and he would have legged it. No, you know, pressing buttons, no trains, none of that stuff. He had to walk the whole way. So that's a long journey. The town, he, he was a Roman citizen because his dad was a Roman citizen and he inherited it. Now, the, the Tarsus is an interesting place. It was a Roman city. It's, actually, it's quite romantic. Antony met Cleopatra. That's interesting, isn't it? So that's very nice. And Because um, and, uh, it all went a bit wrong at the end. But anyway, it was very good for the time. So it was very, very good. Um, it's a very interesting place because uh, they had a school of philosophy. And, you know, the, all the Greek philosophers, they'd, they'd sort of gone... And then we've got this thing called the Hellenistic period. And we've got this kind of Roman period. You know, you know, it's the Iron Age, really. But they still got this school of philosophy. And the, the school of philosophy was based on what they call the Stoics. People that nothing happens to. You know, you stick a pin in them, they don't do anything. Stoics. That was the school of philosophy. It's interesting because it does reflect in Paul's writing. See, Stoicism is all about self-discipline, fortitude, and the, the big four things for them is wisdom, and it's courage, and it's justice. That's important. And self-discipline. So this was Paul's background. Of course, Paul, we know from reading in Galatians, we might slither into Galatians in a minute, that he um, had gone to Jerusalem. He was uh, a rabbi. And if you remember at the beginning of the reading, Paul, he, he they didn't say, you, you're busy this weekend, Paul, you got anything on? Uh, no, not like, would you mind going to Damascus? A bit of a problem there. It wasn't like that. He went to the chief priest and asked for letters so that he could go. He wanted to go. This was from within Paul. I'm going to say some unkind things about Paul in a minute. Uh, who was Saul and Paul. Same person. He was a nasty piece of work. He was a nasty piece of work. He was a very smart man of his day whether you look within the church or outside the, 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 the church, he was a very clever cookie, a smart man. He was ambitious. For his age, he was doing very well. 
He was a good little star by his name. I could see him on a shortlist, going to be maybe one day chief priest. But he was a nasty piece of work. He was a bigot and he was a zealot. I would call him a fascist now. He was somebody who believed in discrimination that's positive towards the Jews. He believed them to be elite. And I can imagine if I was a Pharisee, I'd be saying to Paul, look, this has all been done before, this, this way thing. I couldn't be bothered, mate. You give it a couple of years, they'll all be doing something else then. We've heard it all before. Don't waste your time. What's the point? Paul wasn't like that. He was a driven man. And he thought, this is a, a problem that's going to be spreading via all the synagogues. They're like little junction boxes. The word gets from this synagogue to that synagogue, and it's spreading. It's going to be a problem. Stitching time, my mum told me. Nipping a bud, get in there quick, shut them up. So he went all the way, as we know, from Jerusalem to Damascus. Now, I don't think he went with Pinky and Perky or Peter Pan. I think he took Ronnie and Reggie, Lurch, <laughs> because he wasn't going to knock on your door and say, did you know there's a church that meets in your area? Would you like to come along? He put evangelism in reverse. He didn't knock on the door, he kicked it down and said, do you go to church? Because if you do, you've got a problem. Come with me. And if you'd like to resist arrest, meet my friend Lurch. I'm joking, but you understand what I mean. He was serious. He was really not keen on Christians. He hated Christians. He hated the name of Christ. I'm only saying this because half the New Testament is written by this man. Took 13 books are written by him, you know. But we need to know from where he's come as to how God dealt with this man. It's important we understand just how much. My dad used to say, oh, he said, in those days, boy, he said, they had ships of wood, but men of iron. And then he carried on, and then he would tell me, because now we've got you know, ships of iron, men of wood. <laughs> Thank you very much, Dad. But he was a hard man, hard man physically. It's a long journey, and he was a hard man mentally. So what's Christianity all about? The guy in the, in the pub says, so what's all this Christianity all about? And what's it all about then? I, I never went to Sunday school, but somebody's told me, if you go to Sunday school and somebody asks you a question, just say Jesus, because that's the answer. <laughs> Brilliant, <laughs> give me a gold star. But actually, I don't think it is. Is it about convention? Well, no, I don't think so. Is it about conviction? Well, that's important. Is it about the cross? Hmm. Is it about Christ? What? Hmm. Hmm. Well, obviously, that's all important. Do you know what it's about? One thing that makes it stand out from everything else, it's about conversion. That's what it's about. It's about a change. It doesn't mean changing the way I dress, sitting in a coat with a bundle of rags on me. It means being changed from within, from with, right from within. Okay? So here comes Paul with his mates, Lurch and all that lot. They're just getting, it's interesting. It's just almost get to Damascus. Not quite. They haven't just left Jerusalem. Almost at Damascus. And then this amazing thing happens. Incredible. I mean, I can imagine, you know, the other lads are like this, well, what's all that about then? Got their hands on the swords, because they were allowed to carry weapons. He was a Roman citizen, and they were going between two towns. He could carry weapons. See, I see a lot of knowledge. Everybody's got a lot of knowledge now. We're all really clever, aren't we? We've got loads of knowledge. Loads of knowledge. And, um, but nobody seems to understand anything. Does, does that make sense? 
So here comes Paul. He's done nothing since the age of about seven, but read the Talmud. He reads it. He can put a nail in it, bang it like that, open it up and read it and tell you exactly where the nail's landed. He really knows the Bible. That's perspiration. Okay? And he's going to Damascus with application in mind. I'm going to apply what I've learned from the Talmud. I'm now going to be sorry. Very sorry. But what he lacked was inspiration. He lacked inspiration. It's very hard to measure inspiration. That's why we like perspiration and application, because we can tick lots of boxes. But you can't measure inspiration, and that's what happened. You meant all that knowledge, all of a sudden, there was understanding. Now, here's a question. When he was blinded by the light, okay, couldn't see, says that, can't see, for three days. Didn't eat, didn't drink. Was he converted then? Was he converted then? Do you think he was converted? I don't. Do you know what I think? Do you know why I think people don't come to Christ? Because they don't know they're lost. You've got to tell them to, they're lost first. How can I be saved if I don't know I'm lost? I remember going up to see somebody pass out at Catrick as a para. They're in the paras now. And uh, we went up there and we thought we'd do a budget job. We went to the youth hostel. It was, it was February. It was pitch dark, pouring with rain. And so we, we, we didn't quite find the youth hostel, which wasn't actually fall out of bed into the Catrick. It was a little way away. So we're driving around and there's a young bloke in the back and he's going, keep going, no, keep going. Driving along like this. And I saw a sign which said youth hostel. He goes, no, 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 keep going. I said, well, how do you know? He said, got it on my phone, haven't I? Got it on my phone. So, all right, okay. So we're driving and we go up the hill, round the back. Blah, blah, blah. Ten minutes later, we're back to where we started from. Okay? So I, I said, he said, go around again. We must have missed it. Go around again. I said, but, I said but, keep going, keep going. So we go around again for a second time. Third time, Okay, go. I said, no thanks. I went, just followed the sign. Basically, he was lost, but didn't know it, because he believed the phone. See, he put his faith in the phone. That's what people do, they put their faith in it. Turn the telly on, what's he going to tell me to think? Yeah, it's good, isn't it? I believe that. I'm never going to die. It tells me that on the telly, effectively. You are going to die. So am I. Comes with a deal. When Paul was blinded for three days, what does that make you feel like? There was this man who was extremely proud, very knowledgeable, not just a smart mouth, but actually clever. And he was blinded. What does that make you? It makes you vulnerable. They had to hold his hand. Follow me, Paul. Oh, Lurch, I don't know where I'm going. Don't worry, Paul, we're going to Damascus to get them. Oh, good. Okay? What does that make you feel like? Utterly humbled, utterly vulnerable, utterly dependent on those men. How does that make Paul feel? Exactly as he should do before the living God. Exactly as he should do. This man thought he was doing God's work. But he wasn't. He wasn't. He was following his rules. See, the thing about Christianity is it's supernatural. That's good, isn't it? Not natural. It ain't natural to be a Christian. It's supernatural. It's true. If it's natural, it's going to get us now. Listen, if Christianity is just natural, all I've got is a book of rules. Book of rules, isn't it? That's what Paul had, a book of rules. And he, only he followed them, very worryingly, to the nth degree. Conversion, conversion is a supernatural miracle act of God. 
It's nothing to do with me. What I say, it's the Holy Spirit. All I can ever do is point people in the right direction. You have to be like Paul. You have to be prepared to be gobsmacked, punched in the face. And what he was doing was saying, everything I've believed, everything I've worked for, all the perspiration, all the application, all this is worth nothing. It's nothing. It's rubbish. It's utter rubbish. Because now, although I'm blind, for the first time in my life, I see. I see. Really interesting thing as well. If I would have been Jesus, I'd have said, see that, Paul? You didn't expect that, did you? Now, rise up and do everything I say. Obey me. Doesn't say that, does he? You see, authority is given, not taken. Jesus tells him what to do, but he doesn't say, you must follow me. True authority is always, always given, never taken. That's why Jesus invites us, he doesn't tell us. I've seen the bent elections, all the dodgy stuff, all my life, and God is not mocked. God is not mocked. You see, Paul, in Galatians, which we haven't got time to look at, almost watch the time, very quickly, says that from his mother's womb, he was chosen. So we're here we have the dilemma. Paul is chosen to be what he became. But he wasn't called. There's a gap. There's a gap, isn't there? Because he was doing other stuff. A bit of, a bit of rabbi stuff on the side. We used to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back, which is kind of fairly committed, really. Basically, I'm saying, I'm following Jesus. I've decided it. I thought, oh, all right, then I'll follow Jesus, and I won't turn back. Do you know what I believe? I believe that we're chosen by God, and God calls us, and we have got a number of responses we can make to that. We can respond to that, or we can waste our lives thinking about it. It's true. I believe it's true. And at this point, you won't get this in the NIV or any of the new modern. Look at this Bible here. Look, this is the first edition of a King James Bible. Has anybody heard of a King James Bible? I can show you how old it is. Look at this. You ever seen? Look at that. Pound notes. The, queen, the Queen's about 10. It's marvellous. This is Pauline's Bible. Oh, I can't believe it. Anyway, if you read the, the, the version in the AV, and it's only in the AV and the New King version, it's Chapter 9, of course, verse 5. And it says, and this is a bit Shakespearean, so forgive me. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And this is a bit you don't get now. It's been redacted. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now, what does that mean, Norman? What's all that about? Well, I'll tell you what it is. Basically, a prick was another old-fashioned name for a stick. So if you had... If the famous donkey or some animal wouldn't move, no, I'm not moving, I'm staying here. They'd get, go on, get, move, get a move on. It's sharp and it hurt, but it didn't really do any damage. Do you know what I think? I think God was saying to Paul, listen, Paul, I've been talking to you, I've been prompting you, I've been poking you for years, and you have not been listening. You have not been listening to me. So now, sunshine, now, sunshine, get that. You're now blind. Get that. And the thing is, we know it lasted three days. Paul didn't know that. Did he? How long is this going to go on for? It could be forever. 
We didn't know that. We haven't got time to do Galatians. I think Paul was happy being lost. And that's a problem, isn't it? When you're trying to reach someone for Christ, they're happy being lost. quite like it, really. Perhaps when I get very old like Norman, or I might, I might think about it a bit more. I'd be dead if I wasn't a Christian. I hadn't, if I hadn't come to Christ, I'd be long dead. I'd have smoked myself to death, drunk myself to death, a couple of times over, really. Oh, thank you very much. So quickly, Paul before his conversion, confident in himself, hi. Paul convinced that he was right. Paul convinced that Christians were wrong. Paul loved Judaism. Paul hated Christianity. Paul was lost, but he didn't know it. Paul enjoyed his life and was not looking for anything better. Now, there was a poet called John Milton. He was really clever. Yeah, he used to write long poems. Paradise Lost. It's a good line in it. A good line in it. Paul didn't get the line, but he got the feeling. It says, no light, but rather darkness visible. When he lost his sight, no light, but darkness visible. He knew, he knew he was lost. He knew that everything he stood for, everything he wanted, everything he believed in life was rubbish. And when you read the letters, he talks about, I did this, I did that. It was all rubbish. That's an experience you don't forget. We're all sinners, aren't we? Have you noticed? You tell somebody outside the church they're a sinner, they get all upset, I've done anything wrong, I've been a nice boy. Honestly, I have. My mum told me I've been really good. It's not true, is it? See, here's a story. Before I was born, I had to go into this place, you see, and this bloke said to me, um, we think you're giving you a run out, Norman, on the planet Earth. I said, oh, yeah. Um, we've got in mind for you. You could be a white bloke, right? And I tell you, you could be English. How do you think about that? I said, I'm not sure about being English. You're a bit daft, aren't you? No, they're very nice people, very polite. And you, listen, you could be born in the East End of London. How's that sound? Well, uh, it's near, near a football team. You'll love the football team. Got it? Oh, all right then. And we're going to call you Norman. Norman. Well, all right, we're Norman Richard. Richard? Um, what you could be Ricky? Ricky? Ricky Critchell? Oh, okay. Okay, 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 okay. Listen, this is the bonus for you. Your dad's going to be called Joseph. How you like that, wouldn't you? Okay? Your mum's not Mary, she's Lil. Because this is all delusional, because this didn't happen. The point I'm making is nobody gets a choice. Whether they think they're sinners or not sinners, we all are sinners. That's the problem. We didn't do anything to do it. We just are sinners. We're born in sin. That's why we need to be converted. That's why conversion is so important. It's not about doing press-ups five times a day or reading stuff and saying stuff or dressing in a certain way. It's about inside here needs to be turned outside and made different, changed by Jesus. It's a supernatural faith. It is. Another story... In our house, everything was all riddles and stories. Leopard never changes its spots, so we'll stop. Um, it's right, they don't. God does. Leopard can't change its spots, it's quite true. God does. See, Paul was a sinner, but God. He hated Jesus, but God. Paul tried to kill Christians, but God. Paul wanted to destroy the church, but God. Paul loved being lost. Paul wasn't looking for a new life. He was looking for Christians, but he found Christ. 
That was a blow, wasn't it? He'd done a little thing very quickly. It's really weird, this. A lot of people, they pray the prayer. I want, to, oh, I want you to come into my life, Lord. And, uh, it's great. There's nothing wrong with that. It's great. Paul wasn't asking for that. He didn't, want, he didn't want Jesus to come into his life at all. You're joking. He burst into his life. Very unusual. Don't find that in Scripture very often. There is one other little example where you could say it happened, and that's with a certain man called Lazarus. He didn't ask Jesus to come into his life because he was already dead. But he did come into his life. See, Paul was a special man. Paul had a special job. And I believe the Lord had been trying to prod and prompt Paul and he had just turned his back. And I believe that Christians today are living and God is saying to them, do this, I want you to do this, you? and they don't want to hear. You know, none so deaf, none so blind, as those who can't see, they'd look away. I'm nearly finished. Salvation begins with the Lord, not us. Paul, after conversion, is now confident in Christ, not himself. He says that in the letters. What does he do? He goes back to Damascus. And this is a bit of an interesting meeting. He goes to see Peter. That's a bundle of laughs. And Peter's a sort of rough and ready fisherman. And he's this sort of smart mouth come from, you know, used to be top rabbi type bloke. Very interesting meeting. But there's a lesson there, isn't there, for all of us. God's church is made of such a, a variety of people. Bananas is quite a nice way of putting it. I could think of all sorts of other different things. But three attitudes come out of this. There's a new attitude towards the believers. He wanted to kill them a little while ago. Now he wants to have fellowship with them. Got a new attitude towards truth as well. In Galatians 1 verse 20, he says to them, because he's so annoyed with the Galatians, because shortly after coming to them, bringing the gospel years, that they're going down another route, he's going, I can't believe you're doing this. I'm not lying to you. These are the experiences that really happened to me. You see, personal testimony is so powerful. I, I'm still, I'm so old. I remember years ago when people used to give a thing called a personal testimony because it's really powerful because it's what happened to me. It's my experience. It's personal to me. Everybody's got a different testimony. It doesn't matter. We don't all have to be mass murderers. It's still a testimony. It doesn't matter. It's so powerful. And yet, what do we do? We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. We should be playing name that sin. Not don't ask, don't talk, don't tell where it's called. Because we're all sinners still. We still get it wrong. I get it wrong. If Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners, what does that make me? He has a new attitude towards the gospel. He now preaches it, not trying to destroy it. He once hated believers, and he now loves them. He wants fellowship with them. He hated the gospel, but now he preaches it. He hated the truth, but he lives by it. Once Saul, now Paul. Same man, new man. Everything is different now. The bigoted zealot has become an evangelist. The difference is what? Christ. Christ is the difference. Christ has come into his life. Christ has changed him. Nothing else will. Four simple things to take home. At long last, he shut up. <laughs> you don't laugh at that point. <laughs> the Christian gospel comes from God, not man. It's not a man-made thing. It's from God. Conversion is a pure miracle, and it depends on God. The worst sinners often make the best saints. They do. They really do. This morning we sang a hymn, Amazing Grace. John Newton, he wasn't really that great, was he? But they make the great saints. It's true. You don't have to go out and do something horrible and think, oh, I can be a better saint. That's not, that's not the way it works. But don't, don't, don't write people off. Ten minutes before Paul was converted, who'd have opened a book and said, this man's going to become a Christian? 
I'll give you 10 to 1. I don't think you do it. I don't think so. Oh, I don't think so, but God. No one is beyond the reach of God, seriously. I don't care who you are, you're not beyond the reach of God. No one would have predicted Paul's conversion, as I've said. But God. So keep praying. Please keep praying. Don't give up. We're, we're dominated by time. Time's everything to us, isn't it? But please don't. Keep praying. The impossible prayer, keep praying. I believe people were probably praying for Paul. It doesn't say that in the scripture, but I'm sure they were. This horrible man, horrible man, who really was breathing fire and brimstone and wanted to kill people. And he became <laughs> amazing. Our understanding of scripture, much of it comes from Paul because of this amazing experience. But that experience, that supernatural experience, that conversion is so vital because we have to be converted to, to accept Jesus and what the work on the cross is. It almost pre comes before that. Yeah? So it's conversion not to conform, it's conversion to a relationship. The relationship is within, with Jesus. Okay? So from that point onwards, you see Paul disappear and for three years making tenses. He's, he's understanding. God is dealing with him. God is giving him revelation. He's not chatting to Peter. What do you reckon we do here, Pete? None of that stuff. He was relating to God. So keep praying. 